ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Just when Jimbo Fisher thought he had the worst play call of the weekend, Mike Norvell said, hold my beer. Todd Bates released a new acronym about Oklahoma, Offensive Ugly. Clemson is 6-0 and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Jarrett. Fellas, good to see you back. Clemson's undefeated, went up to Boston College, got that win, looked a little dicey in the first half. Didn't think we were going to lose at all, but... um, a little bit of an uglier start than I think any of us were hoping for coming off that big NC State win. Clemson got the 31 to 3 victory. I think when you look across all four quarters, you know, this there's a lot of good to take away from this game. Still some building block areas for the team to work on, but uh, pretty happy with the win overall. How about y'all? Yeah, I'd say so, especially to see the team uh, turn it around in the second half and respond. We saw some adjustments on the offensive side of the ball at, uh, at halftime and saw guys come out and play better. Um, and given the, you know, the, the two games prior to that, um, the, the win against Wake Forest and Winston-Salem in overtime, and then followed that up by the, the, the tough uh, matchup against NC State, um, that combined with Ella Versailles and everything going on there, you know, a lot of emotions for this team. And so, you know, we mentioned it last episode that this could potentially be a trap game and you know, like you tell, you never felt that this game was ever in jeopardy, um, especially seeing as good as the defense was playing. Um, but it's not surprising to see them come out a little sluggish. I think for me, the big takeaway is that they were able to stick in there and really turn around with the second half, put some points up on the board and pull away. I agree. Um, I didn't, you know, I've only been following Clemson football since maybe like 2008, 2007, maybe. But I can still remember what a trap game was really like. And there might be some people listening to this that, you know, are just used to 10 win seasons, nine win seasons, 15 win seasons. And, you know, to be able to have game day at Death Valley, top 10 matchup to show out like they did against NC State, even though they gave up a little garbage uh, score. And then to go up on the road in the cold in Boston and uh, take down Boston College when they were all hyped up for the red bandana game. Um, I think it's just another reminder that, uh, you know, other than last year's weirdness, like Dabo just has a great hold on his program and on the, on the team. And this is where we are pretty much every year. Middle of the season is like bumps and bruises, but things are slowly starting to kind of smooth out. So um, I'm excited to see what the back half of the season looks like. Yeah, and I think we saw Clemson get respect in the polls, even though, you know, we only had a sluggish start and, you know, pulled away to a 28-point win by jumping Michigan up to number four, who beat a fairly decent Indiana team on the road at 9 a.m. by 21 points, one less than the spread, I might add. And I told everybody in this last episode to take Indiana plus 22. If you listen to me, you're welcome. Um, Stay tuned for more. Um, insider knowledge on some some good bets at the end of the show. But um, yeah, I mean, 
again, we talked a little bit last episode about Clemson not getting respect. I totally don't think that's the case. You saw it in how we started number four this year. You, you see it when we flipped with Michigan after this past weekend. So um, I think just everything, you know, leading up to this game, again, it's not surprising. There was a bit sluggish start. I'm just glad to see that the team tur- eventually turned it on and started making some plays. And, um, yeah, it wasn't even close. I think, you know, the college football media, the – you know, national college football, you know, Illuminati, you want to call it that, are um, starting to figure out what we have, which is like Clemson has a good de- had a good defense coming into this year. Stack team, yes, the team's been injured, but they've been able to weather the toughest games. But I think we were pointing to, look, if the right things break for DJ, um, last year there were a lot of extenuating circumstances to his play that led to, you know, snowballed within the team. There were a lot of things setting up to be better for this year, for DJ to have a a better season. Those things have come true. I think we were, we kind of first saw this um, to some extent, the things that were going to be better for DJ. Um, but I think it, over overall, you know, the team is starting to get that natural respect, that national respect. Um, and you're starting to see that just in, I mean, obviously moving up to number four in the AP poll. And um, I think I forget where we were in the coaches guy guys. Are we uh, right we're there still at number five. Yeah. Still at number five coaches don't watch these games, whatever. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, starting to get that respect. And then I think also just in the bowl projections from, you know, writers out there, that kind of thing. So anyway, it really doesn't matter. We talked about it last time with Cody, a belabored point, I might add, last week, that it really doesn't matter at this point. A lot of the rest of the top 10 is going to play one another. Clemson will have its chances to probably get at least one more ranked matchup with Notre Dame, assuming we and they take care of business the next two games. So, you know, plenty to still pad on our own resume and, win the ACC, I think we're in the playoff. Well, I think no it just doubt. goes to, to prove it's a false narrative that Clemson is not getting respect as a program these days, because I totally think they are. Now, again, we have to take that a little bit with a grain of salt because the college football landscape and how teams are performing this year is vastly different than we've seen in years past, where even the top teams, the Georgias, the Alabamas, are struggling um, to, to win games. So, um, you know, if you have three or four teams that are just killing everybody, then the Clemson looks like a far distant fifth or sixth, right? But the fact that, you know, we have some struggles and these other teams have some struggles too, it looks like, um, you know, that, that top tier of teams are, are much closer um, uh, kind of in there. Together, right? Yeah, they're a lot closer together as far as, you know, talent and ability and the potential to win in, in the playoffs than we've seen in years past. So, um you know, when we look back at, at our games so far this year, you look at the scores. I mean, you think back to this time last year, you would take this without, you know, <laughs> with, without a doubt, you know, in a heartbeat. Um, and so we really have to do look into the things that the circumstances around this team. Again, I talked about Ella Versay, the the odd, you know, short week uh, leading up to Furman, all the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which, by the way, we haven't been talking about these defensive backs screwing up uh, these young defensive backs here recently in games, which is a a huge uh, sign moving forward for the rest of the season. So um, I think sitting here at six and oh, you know, halfway through the regular season schedule, if you're a Tiger fan, you have to be pretty happy. I mean, we'll get into the kind of the flow of the BC game and reasons I think Ben, why these opposing OCs have not been able to just pick up the scab with Clemson can't do, can't hit the deep ball on these guys if your quarterback's running for his life, right? And Phil Dracovic definitely was. Devin Leary definitely was in the second half of that NC State game. 
Jordan Travis, he's going to be in for some of that this coming weekend too. I think uh, FSU's O-line is a little bit banged up. They've been problematic for about a decade now down there um, since the 2013 team turnover. So um, anyway, I mean, why don't we dig into this BC game? And I think we'll probably circle back to more of the national landscape because this coming weekend slate is looking amazing across the board for college football. I want to kind of pull both of you guys, Jarrett, we haven't had any on the show in a couple of weeks. See where we're at just on the national contenders for the playoff um, and who we'd like to face all of that. But first, let's go with BC. Yeah. So go ahead, Jared. No. Yeah. So 31 to three, like you said, um, you see the team definitely grow up in some spots. And then there's also, you know, still uh, some head scratching moments. Um, I think where we've seen growing up is probably, and uh, even Wes Goodwin said it himself, like he's getting first year coach, like he's just getting used to literally just the schedule and um, to being more kind of demanding from his guys and um, trying to get the most out of his guys without just being, you know, their friends. Like you can be more of the player's friends when you're kind of the assistant coach and not having to be the bad cop all the time. So I think I liked what I saw out of the the front seven. I mean, obviously we have incredibly talented people and let's not, let's not forget that like we're probably going to have almost everyone healthy um you know or at least probably 10 of the 11 starters that we thought we were going to have healthy and, and or at least getting good playing time against the fsu so yeah against bc definitely saw some improvement there i think that there was just like a lot of havoc that uh, um that Dracovic was dealing with and there was really only a couple of plays that really kind of dinked and dunked you know, down on us. Um, I haven't seen a ton of screen, you know, headaches like we have seen in the past. I haven't seen a ton of corners missing tackles. That's possibly because we haven't seen as much of Fred Davis. Um, and, you know, on offense, I think that the wide receivers still have a way, not a ways to go, but they still need to work to take that next step. I think that they're making good catches. There's some contested balls. Ngata, I think, had actual more than one foot of separation for the first time in four years uh, on a catch for a touchdown. And it was beautiful to see. I mean, they're all talented. They just need to squeeze the ball and catch it. So yeah, I I liked what I saw. Uh, And if you guys remember all the other years prior, it's like, it feels like, yeah, we're kind of high expectations in the beginning. We're not quite hitting on all cylinders. And then, it's really just kind of like an old tractor that kind of like rumble, rumble, rumble for a little bit. And then it finally slowly starts humming into a rhythm. Yeah. I, I really think there's three areas across this football team that we need to really focus on and seeing some improvement moving forward here over the second half of the season. Um, one is with the wide receivers, as you were, you were talking about that being more physical going up and getting the ball and um, winning more of those 50, 50 balls. I think the offensive line really still needs to continue to improve their fundamentals and techniques. Um, You know, Blake Miller and Marcus Tate were a weak spot in this game. Um, And then also the secondary needs to continue to improve because, you know, Jerkovic is a good quarterback. Yes, we were getting pressure on him. Zay Flowers is a potential first round um, draft pick at at wide receiver. And he had eight catches for, um, you know, 75 yards in this game. so Clemson comes up to face a, a, a team that has more than two really capable wide receivers. Are we able to, um, 
you know, contain them, right? When you're probably in this game, putting more focus on Zay Flowers and putting your best guy on him. Um, when we go up against teams that have two, th- three threats, yes, we have the great defensive line to get pressure, but, um, you know, the secondary is still going to need to, you know, you know, cover those guys for at least some period of time. Um, so you got to take, again, this game with a, you know, let's not look at this this week and the great defensive performance and think that we're going to get all these guys back and um, ultimately go ahead and just hold teams to zero for the rest of the season. There is some improvement to be done, but the fact that these guys in the secondary are getting so much experience this early in the season, when we do get these, these uh, upperclassmen back, we can rest assured a little bit that if they do go down again for whatever reason, that we're going to be in a lot better shape than we would have been had these young guys not gotten so much playing time here early on. Agreed. I mean, we, <clears throat> we've seen this team face an offense with two very capable wide receiving threats. It was Wake Forest. And yes, it was the Nate Wiggins, Toriano Pride show without Makuba. Um, it was not pretty, not great back there. Will Sheridan Jones coming back helps out. Will some of these other guys getting a little bit more game experience help? I think it will by the time we face somebody like an Ohio State uh, down the stretch, maybe even a Georgia where they throw in the wrinkle of a couple of really awesome tight ends. Um, but yeah, I think this defense, Wes Goodwin and company have their work cut out for them. I, I think it's going to have to be schematic and not just expecting these guys to elevate play and develop, you know, in the next six to seven, eight weeks uh, before that, that game, that matchup could happen. Uh, it's going to have to be, you give up some things elsewhere. You kind of move guys around and you set up your formations uh, to not that, let that burn you. So um, in any event, I think when we look at, I mean, I want to maybe take it back to a tale of two halves a little bit from the offensive end. We did see some of that wide receiver and I don't know what it, what it is, Jarrett, to be honest, like, is it, is it lack of focus? Is it um, these guys need to work on physicality, jump balls, 50, 50 balls, like whatever boxing out basically to grab pull down catches. Um, But it certainly seemed like it was just drive killing drops or drive killing like not going up and getting the ball in these receptions um, that, that was slowing the offense down in the first half. Um, I thought DJ was doing great for his part. He had one mistake with the interception in this game. Um, but for the most part, I mean, he was pretty crisp, pretty accurate, which again, like is crazy to think about when we we're, what we were talking about with DJ coming out of last year, like footwork, lack of accuracy, lack of precision, all of it, all that seems pretty good to me right now. I mean, I'm not, I'm no quarterback doctor, not examining his footwork, that kind of thing, but sure seems like he's got poise, stepping up in the pocket the right way, moving around as he needs to. Um, I thought Streeter called a good game. There were not, I never felt like there was that like, oh gosh, we're just trying to, you know, mix in this type of play too much here. Um, you know, I, I hearken back to the NC state game with just trying to do design runs from DJ felt like we wore that one out a little bit. Um, I do think just from the, offensive play calling standpoint one thing you look at with the uh with the targets in this game they were clearly trying to work out the receivers in this one you know not very many attempts to the tight ends you might look at that and criticize streeter i don't do that at all i think this is clearly you know looking to develop those wide receivers they sure needed it when you watch that first half but then you started the second half deep ball doing gotta I think they were getting Randall going. Um, well, else? I mean, Antonio Williams definitely had a great second half. Davis Allen had a great catch. Um, we had to kind of go up down the sideline and get the ball as DJ was scrambling. Um, 
Bo Collins had a good second half. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Somebody, somebody yeah. got onto him at halftime and uh, he started <laughs> fighting for some balls and making some catches while I'm getting talking about Bo um, been talking about why these wide receivers, I think a lot of it is the physicality. We're just not seeing that, you know, Bo ran out of bounds by himself, um, you know, early on in the first, in the first quarter um, when he could have gotten at least 10 more yards uh, on a pass um, down the field. Guys, there. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought, Tyler Grisham was like a wide receiver at Clemson who like took a bunch of hits, like pretty physical guy, like from wide receiver, like doesn't mean he's not coaching them up to try to be that. Or I don't know if you, if you are something you can coach it. No clue here. Not a coach, not a wide receiver coach. Um, but I, just an observation. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's still the wide receiver blocking too is an issue. Like EJ Williams is going to get somebody killed um, if he doesn't put more effort into his blocking on the edge there. Um, and I think I saw it one time too with Bo Collins. Um, you know, Bo's Bo has all the talent there. He just needs to kind of put it all together. And we need to again take it a little bit easy on him because it is a second season, but we are six games into that second season and we're dealing with some of the same issues. Um, you know, there was that one drop in the end zone, um, another drop down uh, the sideline. Um, so again, I think it's just that physicality that we're talking about here. And just Adam Randall continues to come along a little bit more, you know, he gets some more reps and some more playing time. That's a kid that could, we could slowly start seeing more of and could start threatening Bo's playing time a little bit there. So we'll see how that plays out. You know, the competition I think is going to be good to help elevate the, the play of all of these folks. I mean, we've already seen Antonio Williams and what he's done and come in and, kind of surpassing Brandon Spector on the, on the depth chart. But um, yeah, I think just having these young guys that look incredibly capable, I think is going to push the rest of this team. And hopefully you just start seeing improvement week after week, but we've got to stop with these drops. We really do because they are drive killers. I mean, there's other things wrong with the offense. Um, run blocking is an issue. Um, some of the play calling with Streeter admitted on, on second down and not putting themselves in, in or second and long, not putting them in good position on third down um, is certainly an issue. But um, yeah, I will say overall, I'm pretty happy with the play calling. I see a lot more creativity this year. I see a lot more offensive linemen pulling, which is a good sign because we were actually very basic last year because you couldn't trust those guys. So at least this shows me that they can trust these guys this year. And maybe it's just more mental mistakes um and less so physical ability and if these guys can really start to gel and put it together this could really open up this offense but you know you you always you know used to hear you know Dabo say like last year whenever the offense is struggling it's like oh we're one player away or one mistake away from really breaking the open and you can really see that on this offense you really can um especially going back and watching the game after the fact um but still that's an excuse right and so you actually see them put it all together I've yeah, been seeing I wonder, more pre-snap motion this year. And that was something sure. we were we were yeah. like yelling about last year. Begging with Tony Elliott. Begging for it. Begging. And we got the athletes. So it's it is nice to see that. Yeah, I wonder if some of the drops are just from them being maybe traumatized all year last year, that anything DJ throws is going to be super unpredictable. And they're still just kind of regaining that trust. You would think that with practice in the summer and all that stuff, that there's some better chemistry there. Um, because otherwise like balls are hitting hands and they're just not squeezing them in. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's head scratching. Um, speaking of wrinkles too, I mean, I've seen a lot of new wrinkles. Um, I'm not an offensive mastermind or anything like that, but I can just tell when we're running 
really unique plays. And a lot of it's like, it feels sometimes that Antonio Williams is like the key to opening up this offense to what like, um, you know, Bama was doing, you know, the last couple of years, you know, when they were doing their title run, not that there's not a title run year for Bama, but um, I think with like um, uh, Devonte Adams uh, or whoever the guy that just like won the Blitnikoff over there, I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh, Smith, Devonte Smith. Uh, Devonte Smith. Devonte Adams, Adams uh, plays for the Raiders and plays yeah. Fresno State with Derek Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Um, but just like all kinds of different wrinkles with Antonio Williams that I'm starting to see, and with other receivers and the tight ends in motion, and then you've got two tight ends on the same side. I don't know what that's called, but I saw some uh, you know positive plays come out of that formation. And then what happened live was we saw Cade come in for um, a drive. What looked like it was, it looked like they were just turning over the rest of the game to be the Cade show after we were up, you know, by like three scores. And um, I really did think that they were just going to let him run the rest of the game. And he went in and he ran two plays, didn't really get anywhere. And then DJ came in to like finish that drive with an incomplete pot, incomplete pass. And then they punted and, I remember texting everyone and just being like, hey, um, they either tried to give it to Cade and immediately regretted that decision, which I don't know that is likely, or they're just trying out some new Wildcat stuff or some backup stuff to script into the playbook, which would be, you know, more likely. And I don't know, it just felt so abrupt to like pull him after two of his three downs. And I think after the um, game, uh, Streeter – and then we're talking about how like that was kind of their plan was to just the again wrinkles they're trying to build in more and more options into this offense and i think what elliot did was just wait until the end of the season and if you haven't practiced these plays for you know 10 weeks and then all of a sudden you're trying to play them in like the highest pressure situations against defenses that are you know top in the country it's really tough to pull them off so some of these drops, some of these like incomplete plays, some of these things that don't go anywhere, I want to believe are just us like shaking out some of these wrinkles in the playbook because we know we can and we don't have to, you know, try to win the game on every drive like they have in the past. Yeah, and, let's- and I do think um, specifically in this game, you know, we all saw how successful we were throwing to the wide receivers against NC State, or uh, sorry, the tight ends against NC State. You kind of go into this game, listen, the, you know, Dabo and the coaching staff knows who this BC team is. They have a good feel for the game and knows the thing that, that this Clemson offense needs to work on. So I can totally see them kind of putting that tight end um, playbook portion of the playbook in their back pocket, really focus on them blocking and really getting the ball to the other wide receivers to get some type of momentum and chemistry um, going on with them. And again, the, the game was never really in question. You never felt like it was pretty obvious BC was going to have a hard time moving the ball. Um, so it was never in danger of being a loss. And then you saw that start to again, take, take footing in the, in the second half as the guys started catching up, um, uh, you know, making tough, uh, receptions and got like you mentioned earlier on, finally got some separation there into the end zone, had a good throw and catch there from a DJ. Um, mm-hmm. so just sticking with that and again, seeing the improvements, seeing some adjustments at halftime, or at least getting, um, these guys attention and let them know, listen, like, you know, 
yeah, this is Boston College and you had two big wins, but we have playoff aspirations. Like you can't take games off, right? Because, you know, anybody could beat you at any given time. We've seen that throughout college football this year. And if you end up with, um, you know, five undefeated teams, you got to show that you're one of the best four. So these games do count. One thing I want, I want to point out about BC, and then I want to talk about kind of the flow in the second half. They came to play. I mean, they were physical from the start. And I think that surprises offense and definitely the receivers. We've talked about that a little bit, but they were hitting. And it, a lot of these guys are backups. Like they're, they were missing guys with injury, not a lot of experience. Like I would have expected in, I guess this is probably what, like year three, this is the third full year of Jeff Hathley as their head coach. He came over from Ohio state. He's like a defensive, you know, wonderkind kind of young coach, a lot of defensive ideas. They really haven't had an impressive defense this year. And, um, you know, he, you're three years in at least some of these guys on the field are your recruits. Um, I think he was going to be a guy that, you know, might've gotten them to like eight, nine wins, 10 wins, and he would have gotten hired away. Don't know if that's going to happen or when that's going to happen for them, but they did show up to play. He did have them motivated. Maybe it was a red, red bandana game. Maybe it was everyone gives Clemson a hard game because we're their Super Bowl in the year. Like it was something, but I want to call out, you know, they came, they brought the intensity from the start, which was cool to see. Uh, Cause I think, I don't know how much, I mean, we always talk about iron strengthening iron. Like I don't know the rest of the way, how much we're going to, how much of that we're going to get from our opponents, probably Notre Dame. That might be it. So that's good. And then I think um, the second half really eventually got to the point where this did feel like the game was some, was fairly in hand and it did feel like that thing we've been hoping for, which is the ability to get more guys in like work the depth, get more guys on the field. I think the coaching staff went a different direction here. And there was some controversy about that within the game where they decided to keep the starters on the field and, you know, keep pushing the ball. This was only one series where they went down and scored the touchdown at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, like why, why not do that? And, you know, Jeff Hapley, if you have an issue, call your defense, you know, call the defense the right way to stop that. You guys did a decent job stopping Clemson throughout the game. Yeah, we're not there to just give up, you know. We have to develop players. We have playoff and national championship aspirations. And when your team's not playing well, you got to keep them in and take advantage of this, <clears throat> you know, game time, um, real live yeah, against action, live action. Time right. to get your guys the necessary reps, especially when they've had the momentum in the second half um, to keep their confidence, confidence up going on the road um, for a second row game in a row uh, to Florida State next weekend. So... Um, and style points matter. I mean, yeah. And so I'm, I'm tired of these football coaches, especially these division one coaches in the conference, like in your conference guys whining about uh, the perception of running up the score. It was 31 to three was the final score. Jesus. Um, so, I mean, well, at that I point know, it was like, was it ever confirmed that Halfley was actually actually no. whining about it? Or it was a speculation like on the broadcast. Um, yeah. I think it was Todd Blackledge was the most chafed by it. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't necessarily, they were doing some lip reading, but yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. The thing that, that what that tells me and kind of what I've seen this season is like, we have a luxury that we did not have last year. And then we haven't had in some other years, even recently where, you know, it's like we can kind of have the game in control and work out kinks and try new things and like build rhythm and build depth without feeling like the game is going to get out of hand. 
if we don't. I feel like last year, you know, again, different play caller, but it felt like every drive we had to go out there. And if we didn't move the ball consistently and play our best plays and do our, you know, best, we were not going to score. And then we were going to get behind. And then, you know, cause it, it was just like a coin toss, whether we would not be able to finish the drive anyways. So it felt like we didn't have the ability to kind of step back and just let things play out. And, you know, Jeff Hapley is not the uh, only former defensive mastermind that's gone on to be a head coach that is, uh, you know, not performed to what, you know, people have expected of them. Although we might get into that later. Okay. You got to leave, leave BV alone. He's had, isn't half his team left to follow Lincoln Riley? Mark Stoops, right? That I hear you talking about? Mark Stoops, oh, yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, guys, in this one, pretty even from a – I mean, it was actually very even. It was 31, 31 passes, 32 rushes, balanced offense. Um, we haven't talked too much about the running backs in this one. I, has Clemson had a 100-yard rusher? in our power five matchups. I don't know that we have yet. Um, I mean, I think only Shipley's only got like 400 something yards for the year. Right. So it's not, we've not seen a dominant rushing performance yet for Clemson. And um, when it's not necessarily because of the rushers, again, I think it's because of the offensive line. Um, yeah. Uh, when, when the, when the D line QT pointed this out, um, you know, when D lines are, are pulling stunts, um, the switching off of assignments is not going very smoothly across this defensive line and or offensive line. And that's that's one area where a the youth in Blake Miller and Marcus Tate, um, even though this is Tate's second year in the program and he did start the first game of the year last year, that playing time quickly diminished after the Georgia game. Um, so these young guys are still going to have to come along. And as they have more time to gel this year, I do expect, or at least I hope for improvement. Um, I, I, I do still struggle with why we're not able to blow opposing defensive lines off the ball, at least certain ones. Um, I understand against NC state, but against Boston college, I really would have expected better now going into next week against Florida state. Um, if we're not able to, if we don't put a hundred yard rusher up on them, I'm going to be extremely concerned unless, you know, we have two guys with like 90, um, between Moffa and Shipley. Um, but that's a team we should certainly be able to run on without, without an issue and without any struggle. So um, that's certainly an area to, to keep an eye on because as we get closer to the playoffs and we start playing better and better teams, once we get an ACC championship game and then into a potential playoff berth, you're going to need to have that balance attack because you don't have Deshaun Watson out there um, and some stud wide receivers that are just going to win the game for you. Right. Um, you've got mm -hmm. this offensive line, you've got DJ, you've got a couple of really good running backs and you've got potential at the wide receiver position. So I think we need to be much more balanced um, across this entire offense to be successful moving forward into the playoffs this year. Potential I mean, yeah, it sounds like the, it sounds like the, the play calling is balanced, like what Tully just said, but the results from the plays are not balanced. You yeah, know? But like we, you see it makes a world of difference when wide receivers are just catching the damn ball there in the second half, right? All of a sudden we start mm -hmm. scoring. Yeah, and then what does that say too? Like you don't like you don't want to be one dimensional when we get into the playoffs if you can't be consistent in the run. And like ha imagine the second half of the game if the wide receivers still didn't really catch like they did in the first half. I mean, is this like a 17-3 head scratching kind of game? Yeah, or if that combined with BC having a better field goal kicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean DJ's our uh, second 
uh, leading rusher. What Shipley has 446. DJ has 311. And Mafa's at 162. Well, he led in this game. I mean, he had twice as many rushing yards, almost as well, he had, yeah, I mean, he had more one, than twice as many as Shipley and almost twice as many as, as Mafa. Had a larger average. Now, obviously, that 40-yard run there. <laughs> Which did you see DJ's quotes about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said he was he's thinking Pater, but then he yeah. realized no chance. <laughs> he, yeah, he said reality yeah. set in. Good for um, him. I love I, no, that I was, love that, that kind of self-criticism and uh, self-deprecating humor there from him. It really just shows you where his head's at this year. And, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the pass protection has been a lot better this year. Um, him being able to stay on his feet, not feeling that pressure has um, allowed him to, to go through his progressions <clears throat> in check downs, which we've seen him do to resounding success this year. Um, so again, I think part of it is with the pass protection on the offensive line, which it has been, <clears throat> has been pretty good. And again, Blake Miller is getting beat, um, a, a good fair amount, but, um, I think again, a combination of that and just these GJ's improvement overall, which has been nothing short of spectacular. Yeah. I mean, just even going back to the team jockeying for position in a potential playoff matchup, like. You look back at 2016, everyone remembers Mike Williams. Remember Jordan Leggett. Wayne Gallman got some key key yards on that final play. And he was mm-hmm. critical in that Alabama game. Like, I think he ran for like three and a half yards per carry. Nothing crazy, but enough oh, to keep you. Towards the end of the game, when he was really just wearing them down and um, mm-hmm. like just kept running so physical, hitting the whole hard. Wasn't that? Yeah, wasn't that the play where it was like a bubble screen to Scott and then he tossed it to Gallman, who was kind of rotating out almost like on a wheel and just like stopped, stopped like at the two two yards of progress and then just kept pushing, you know, another yeah. five or six yards to get the first down, something like that. And every, every damn yard on that drive mattered, as we found out. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yes, like even in years when we're stacked at receiver in the passing game, like you got to be multiple. So. And I actually, anyway. after watching this game, I do like Moffa more running up the middle than I than I like Shifley, especially if the offensive line is going to be struggling to get a push and open some holes like this. I mean, Shifley obviously is great. His toughness, his speed, getting him out on the edge and what he can do in the passing game and everything. But Moffa just hits that hole so hard. He's a different kind of a type of physical back. They're both physical, but Moffa just has that extra um, that extra punch that I don't think I don't think that Will necessarily has right now. Um, one other thing I want to go back to and continuing to praise DJ here. Um, one thing that is uh, just night and day difference from last year is he had two screen passes in this game to Antonio Williams, where he put the ball out in front of him to keep him moving forward once he caught the ball. And they both turned into two um, pretty good gains. Um, one there in the, I believe on the first drive of the game, and then another one in the second half. Um so seen of a lot of improvement there. I think that just speaks to his confidence and his mechanics being a little bit better. Um, but yeah, that's again, a lot of, a lot of bright spots there. Cool. Um, you know, pretty good offensive performance overall from Clemson in this game, hostile environment, shaky first half, finished, finished the job in the second half. Um, by way of transitioning over, want to talk a little bit about special teams in this one. Looks like, Will Taylor, he had some struggles in this game. Uh, two fumbles, Clemson recovered both of them, but who really shaky, uh, which is difficult. I mean, I think we're all hoping mm-hmm. to have Will Taylor back there. Number one, like 
really interested in his explosiveness. Um, but I would love to have, you know, a specialist in that role, like a guy that can be dedicated to that, maybe keep some like Antonio Williams out of, you know, a pretty physical play, like a punt return. Um, but it looks like Williams is going to be potentially splitting punt return duties, possibly taking that over. He's explosive. would love to get, you know, more yards, better field position, potentially break one for touchdowns and points. But um, I think he's just so critical to the offense that we, as we've talked about, I'd almost rather not put him in that position. Yeah. I think, you know, in years past, we've had so much confidence in this offense's ability just to go down and have their way with the opposing defense and go down and score that the philosophy was just to safely field the punt, take the ball and go from there. And, you know, last season, obviously that was not the case. And this season, I still don't think this offense is there yet. So I think we do need more out of the return game. And another thing that Quack and Tiger pointed out as well is, um, you know, we don't, you know, we kind of strayed away from that, um, that move that Dabo made after that one year where we just couldn't stop a kick return to save our lives, where we started putting more starters um, on the special teams. Now we're back to some like walk-ons or something like that. And it, you know, it's just not getting the same results that we would hope we have. And uh, to speak to Will Taylor, I just don't think he has the burst in the, in the quickness that he had last year after coming off that ACL injury. And it's his first year, you know, really playing football, right? I don't, did he really play in high school or? Will? Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's a like quarterback, quarterback, right? Yeah. Right. I don't well, know how many punts yeah. he was fielding. But yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I don't know how, how many punts he was fielding. So right. yeah, it's, um, it's not good. I've not, I've, I'm back to whenever I see a punt go to us, I hold my breath and, you know, climb under the table if it's bad. It looked pretty bad. Um, and this one didn't want to take, take it to the kicking game. Uh, unfortunately, BT Potter missed another field goal. I think this one was on him. I think he just yanked it mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, still made another one at 35 yards, four for four on extra points. BT's a legend. You know, he'll figure this mm -hmm. out. Um, you know, he's, he's allowed to miss one here and there. Uh, but it wasn't a very long kick either, was it, guys? I think it was like 42 or something. 40-something. I yeah. think that was the one that was a bit of a high snap that Drew Sweeney um brought down but yeah i mean it was close it was on tv it looked like it was through um but the camera angle was a little bit to the left and he missed it to the left so we couldn't really see the straight on shot of that yeah he's i have he's all the confidence two, the, world, the two that, of course me too i mean he's the two that he's missed have been in the 40 to 49 range but he's four for four in 30 to 39 and he's one of one in 50 plus and like we know, I mean, if you looked at, I think in 2019, like he would make ones within like 20 yards and then miss everything except 50 plus. So it's like, he's really developed that kind of mid game and he's yeah. always had a cannon for a leg. So we're, we're grateful that he's here for his uh, 22nd year. Nice. Uh, punting a little bit of an adventure. Once again, you know, decent average on seven punts, about 42 yards for Aiden Swanson. He, um, this was a weird situation where they ran into him and because he had done like a rugby style punt, they were going to call the flag. And it's like, maybe that's a, maybe that's a rule, but what can you, I mean, we might as well just go mob, whatever punter then who leaves like the tackle box. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. I like, I saw that happen. I saw them run into him. I saw the flag go down. 
And I was like, sweet, I'm going to the bathroom real quick. And I came back and they mm-hmm. had the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ben, I remember what, what was briefly explained to us very hastily. Because yeah, outside BC, the box. Yeah. It was outside. Yeah, like when you leave the hashes, you can get crushed. All right. Um, well, if it's a rule, it's a rule. Yeah. I guess like you could still get a rushing the kicker in that, in that situation, but not a running into the kicker. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it Either was way, just a running into the kicker. Like, I don't think it was a roughing the kicker. Okay. Based on what I saw. All right. Then we should run into their punters outside the box. <laughs> That's the strategy moving forward. Put wood eyes on them. I don't think it helps after the ball's already away. Then you just have one less blocker. That's fair. Well, I guess they're tied up down there anyways. Guys, why don't we move it over to the defense? really hoping for the shutout here bc kicked their field goal in the first half so that was kind of put to bed early but shutout in the second half was amazing from this defense um, i think coming into the game we were excited to get makuba back in his rightful safety position he did slot in a little bit at corner guys and i think we saw there were there was at least one play where zay flowers got loose i think for like 15 16 yards um maybe even longer than that where makuba ended up being in coverage and just got burned on that one um Zay Flowers, he's a handful, but I think Clemson did a really good job, you know, at least absorbing 75 yards on eight catches from Zay Flowers, not really letting him get in the end zone, obviously. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, the game plan was sound, just get after Dracovic Jer- early and often. And really, they had no running game to speak of in this one. Um, you know, just not very effective rushing the ball. Second week in a row, we, we stymied actually stymied wake stymied nc state um we'll probably pull up some rushing stats here because clemson has a really impressive track record thus far but um across the board i thought you know clemson definitely did a good job making them one-dimensional and honestly zero dimensional because jacoby could not get much going through the air either i just drool over this front seven like especially when all these guys are healthy i mean Mm -hmm. to, to, to have xavier thomas win the leather helmet and ACC defensive lineman of the week after playing six freaking snaps. Um, wow. What, getting just, two sacks. I know. I thought snaps. he was out there for so much more than that just because of I all feel the like havoc I, he was yeah. um, Man, just great to see that kid back on the field. Um, and, again, you're starting to see these, these guys come back from injury. We're going to have this week against Florida State essentially all of our you know, top eight defensive linemen playing for the first time in like freaking forever. Um, and so that's just, that's a breath of fresh air. Again, it's going to help the secondary continue for us to allow us to be patient with them as they continue to come along. And even we're getting secondary guys back, hopefully Sharon Jones, Malcolm Green. Um, and we can get Makuba back in his natural position at safety. Um, and then the linebacking core has just been, they've just been monsters all year between Trotter, Simpson, and Barrett Carter. Um, so I think that the key, the main key to this team's potential success this year is going to rest on the shoulders on the defense because I think the ceiling for the offense is only so high. Um, but I do think if this defense is in 90% health, you know, heading into the, to the ACC championship game and into the playoffs, then I think even just a marginal improvement across the offensive line and at the wide receiver position um, can lead to a deep run 
uh, especially considering um, how we're seeing, you know, what we're seeing as, as, as the weaknesses amongst the other top teams in college football this year. Definitely agree. I think it's interesting, you know, early in the season, you know, people were talking about who's going to have the better season, whether it's going to be um, Randall and Williams and uh, or Pride and uh, Lucas. And I just want to like to touch on that again, where it definitely feels like uh, Antonio Williams is having a fantastic season. Randall's kind of slowly putting his mark in there. And at first it seemed like Pride and Lucas were totally just like not ready at all. But it seems like they've really started to trust Pride to kind of hold down, you know, that one corner spot. And, you know, I just respect that they're figuring out who their guys are and not worrying about who's the most tenured guy. Um, it's kind of who's going to go out there and who's going to block, who's going to tackle. And, you know, if you're 18 years old or, or 22 years old, like it doesn't matter. Um, I'm just a little concerned on if there's going to be any limitation on Makuba because of that arm brace that only extends a certain amount. And obviously, you know, I've had some banged up injuries and it's like, if you really try to avoid that, those spots when you're in physical contact again. And um, I think Florida state's got like a six, seven receiver transfer from like Arizona, Arizona state I mean, guys like huge, but apparently, you know, it's had some issues with drops. So, you know, can we all play disciplined up front? and pressure the quarterback and kind of see similar results and lock down the back end and lock down that giant receiver, um, you know, take what we did in BC and apply it to FSU. Like, I think so, especially with more healthy front seven. I think they're going to give you, I haven't watched a ton of FSU, but I think they're going to give you somewhere between Wake and what NC State gave you. So a um, bit more physical wide receivers, bit more athletic talent. Um, but Jordan Travis, I mean, he, he's also an experienced capable quarterback that can run the, run the football. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess like Jared, maybe they have, they don't have a Zay flowers, but I think they have sort of like a, you know, they have really capable, like more physical receivers that can challenge us in different ways. I think it's gonna be a good test for a young secondary, um, this weekend, but like you said, like they cannot run the ball for anything. So if we make them really one dimensional, what's that going to mean for the scheme? I could see the defensive line getting home early and often in this one and, you know, not even really seeing our cornerbacks get tested too much. I think that could play out. Well, they, they may not be able to run the ball with their running backs and their offensive line, but with Jordan Travis, you know, that's going to be a, we haven't seen the likes of him uh, this year with either anybody we played definitely Wake Forest or, NC State. So that is going to stress this defense. Uh, Clemson has historically um, had some issues with running quarterbacks. Um, I think this is a game where um, Barrett Carter um, as a spy on Travis is could make a big impact. Um, And, you know, with this defensive line, you you can be getting that pass for us, but you also have to be able to maintain containment against a guy like that. So he is a guy that can cause some chaos. Um, I don't think this is a slam dunk. Uh, by any means but to have everybody start to come back healthily healthy it's certainly um, going to be a huge boost to this defense so I'm not exactly sure where I'm at now um, on a predicted score of how much I think they're going to be able to score I do believe um, you know strongly in this defense I think it's going to be on the lower side but I do think there there are some wrinkles in there that they could do with Travis that and and their physical wide receivers that could cause this defense some problems 
So my question right now is to you two, would you rather the FSU game start and us come out and play very aggressive, knowing that their um, offensive line is kind of banged up and maybe their uh, running backs are banged up? Would you want us to play really aggressive up front and try to just kill Travis? Or do you want to play a little more kind of, you know, slower pace just to kind of make sure nothing gets burnt with a scramble or with a screen pass and any dinking and dunking. Like what's your thoughts? Well, Wes Goodwin is the um, kind of savant when it comes to that. So we'll leave it up to him. But what you did see in this BC game is he continued to dial up the pressure, um, leaving those young secondary guys kind of in one-on-one situations. And that's the bread and butter of this defense. That's what it was under Brent Vittables. Um, and I like to see them staying with the same philosophy here, even with some weaknesses in the secondary, just because you need to utilize that talent that you have across that front seven. Um, so I think early on, you're going to see some pressure, um, that you're used to seeing from Clemson. If things start to kind of go awry and Jordan Travis does start to break, uh, break off some big runs, you may see them kind of adjust and adapt their scheme based on that. I'm sure they'll have a backup plan, but I think for the time being, uh, going into the game, it's going to be status quo with bringing the pressure. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I can also see us kind of allowing a little bit of uh, scrambling and stuff like that, knowing that we're going to lock it down once we get closer to the red zone. Like, historically, we've done really the last, like, four or five years. You know, the kind of bend but don't break, like if, if the scrambling quarterback is going to go all over us. Yeah, and I don't know, guys, like, I don't know how much, honestly, Jordan Travis scrambles. Like, I think he – he had a lot of attempts in the LSU game, which is probably the one that's definitely the one I watched the most. Um, but against like NC state, which was a 19 to 17 game. Uh, he had seven carries. Now he had 108 yards on those seven. So that was a lot. Um, but I think he broke a really big one in that game. But um, I mean, he's not like a prolific runner. He has 28 attempts on the year, way fewer yards than DJU has. And I don't know that any of us would paint DJ as like a running quarterback necessarily. He, we know he has that gear. We know we got to look out for it and look like against Clemson, they're going to have to try everything. They're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at us. So um, I do trust, as you guys have mentioned, the physicality of our awesome linebacker core. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's just going to have fits with that front seven the whole day. So I guess Jarrett, to answer your question, I mean, I say play to what the offense gives you. Like while, while I would love to have us, you know, going after him early and often, um, I don't know. I, I, I would actually more so like to see some of our, our back seven be put into conflict in the passing game and sort of see, see those guys develop some, like for me now it's all about get ready for winning Notre Dame, you know, not messing up against FSU or Syracuse and then just getting ready for the playoff generally. So I think whatever, whatever tees this defense up to get a little bit sharper, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think the only thing I'd add is that, um, you know, if he's a, has a reputation of kind of moving around and scrambling and stuff, it's, you know, all he needs is to add another two or three seconds of just going side to side and not being stopped to, you know, let the receivers break away just a little bit. And sure. so, yeah, that yeah. threat, the threat there definitely opens. That's almost up. more frustrating. That's almost more frustrating in my opinion. Just like you can't quite get him, but he's not running for first downs, but he's just a little bit extra. Time Eric Dungy throw it's Eric Dungy back in the day. Right. For Syracuse. Yeah. Um, just one saying. thing I wanted to call out, I'm not worried about the big play because Clemson's defense, I'm going to read a David Hale data point from ESPN. Clemson's D has only allowed four explosive run plays all season, which is the lowest in the country. Um, we're all, 
our opponents are also averaging 54 yards per game with 1.9 yards per carry. Like it is an insane that's, that's second in the country, first among power five. But who's the um, baller running back or or offensive line that we've played so far this season? Who's the quarterback that can scramble? I mean, again, it's Jordan Travis is going to be better than all of those guys. But I, again, I still think we bring the pressure because, um, you know, we're going to have Miles Murphy, Tyler Davis, Brian Brisset, KJ Henry, Xavier Thomas, Rook. All out there on the field, Trey Williams available. Yeah, tell me, tell me those guys ain't gonna be itching to get back there after the quarterback. Like, try to hold them back. I think they're gonna get home. Like, I don't think FSU's O line is that capable. Um, Yeah, yeah, he can scramble. Who's who's behind those guys you just mentioned? Barry Carter, Trent Simpson. Like, feel pretty good about those guys. Yeah, Jeremiah Trotter, Mm -hmm. Keith McGuire. Man, he looked pretty good in this game. Like. I don't Even know. Bentley getting in late. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good. I think FSU, whatever their team side point total is, I would, I would flirt with the under on that. I don't know what Clemson's going to do offensively. I mean, we covered that spread this last weekend. I was mm-hmm. telling people, can Clemson cover 21 and a half? I'm like, I will believe it when I see it. We saw mm-hmm. it. Maybe we, maybe we can yep. do that from now on, but mm-hmm. I, I think we can cover three first. and a half. <laughs> yes i do yes i do that's I a ridiculous so. oh line. there's there's your bet alert free money alert clemson minus three and a half <laughs> yeah. yeah getting our full defense back by the way like i don't is know that yeah. like an inflation reward that from vegas is is that the number of points they expect for fsu to score or yeah did they leave out a two or three mm. not gonna be a three it's not gonna be a 30 point game i could see it definitely being in the twenties for sure. Were there any kind of like parting highlights from this game? I mean, we mentioned XT, like I wanted to mention one play. I wanted to mention one play, the one that miles Murphy came around and grabbed uh, uh, Djokovic and then just let him go. Um, Did it not definitely seem to you guys that miles Murphy thought he had thrown the ball because it did look like he did a, he did like a pump fake. Right. It did look like he threw the ball. And anymore, if you're these defensive guys, you cannot sneeze rough the passer. Right. Yeah. Without yeah. Getting a penalty called against you. So um, is that kind of Ben? I did. I don't I don't recall that play. But is that kind of like last year in the ACC championship game where um, it's basing on the pit quarterback's name? Kenny Pickett uh, mm-hmm. faked a slide and then got up and ran for a touchdown. <laughs> like, is that the new yeah. that if you're a quarterback, like fake pump fake, the D tackle at the end has to drop you. Then you can actually throw it. Meanwhile, Bullshit. I saw a play in this game where the, uh, like a defensive end or somebody rushing, um, uh, DJ after he got a pass off came and hit him right in the face mask, right in the head. No flag from these ACC mm-hmm. officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frustrating. Crazy. Very frustrating. Holding call, holding call. Anybody? Can we see a holding call? Have we had a holding call all year. I don't think so. I like one. I think we've had like one back in wake. I mean, these yeah. guys are ridiculous. Like it's they're a laughing stock. I think they just know that like they're gonna have to call holding all the time because the like fifteen guys we just listed on the D line that there's some egregious know, stuff. It doesn't matter. Them. It doesn't matter that they're that much better than these other guys. You don't level the playing field because of that. Oh, like, I'm not saying they should do that. I'm just, yeah. 
but I, I think it was uh, somebody, it might have been QT that mentioned that in the Notre Dame-BYU game, the ACC officials called like two on-the-field penalties all game long. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they've been miserable. I mean, the past several years, and the holding calls are the most egregious of all of it, or the misholding calls. Just blame John Swafford, wherever he's at. Uh, pretty dominant defensive performance, guys. I mean, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks, um, 13 QB hurries. I mean, it felt like, I mean, I should go back and look at Dracovic's attempts. Um, there were, what, 17 of those either resulted in a sack or a hurry. He dropped back to pass 40 times. So it's just a crazy havoc rate uh, for, the, for the defensive line. Great to see. Um, BC used to have like NFL caliber O-lines. I don't think they do anymore. They got to focus on getting back there and recruiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome to see. Can't say enough good stuff about this defense. Bodes well getting these guys back healthy. Um, I guess like in terms of what I'm looking for in this FSU game, like, I'd love to see what Sheridan Jones brings to the table. I think he's, um, you know, been on campus. He's flashed in past years a little bit and he's a starting corner and Lord knows we need help with that position. So if he can come in and, you know, be this year's coordinator Tankersley, let's say, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that'd be great. You know, guy who stuck with it in the program kind of got in when he could waited his turn and now can come out late in his career and be the guy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think I saw his day-to-day, too. Like, we're hoping he comes back, but he yeah. could be next week as well. But, yeah, I think he's the he, – this is his third year, right? So, I mean, let's – these older guys are going to start getting chewed up more and more by these younger guys. No doubt. All right, well, uh, great victory for your now number four Clemson Tigers up at Chestnut Hill. Um only one more road game guys, this FSU game this weekend. After that, we do go to Notre Dame. I'm sorry, a road ACC game. We do go to Notre Dame. Um, and then the, the rest of our games are at home, uh, which is great, you know, for fan base and everything else. Notre Dame is going to be fun on the road. Um, yeah. Go down to Tallahassee this weekend. It's yet another night game, yet another showcase for Clemson on the national stage, which should be great. Um, we've talked a little bit about this, this FSU matchup man, did they lose in embarrassing and kind of heartbreaking fashion for their team. All they had to do, honestly, they could have, I know their, their uh, field goal kicker place kicker is brutal and rough. So they were trying to, you know, seal the game by throwing for a touchdown. Instead they threw a pick and NC state held on. Um, But I mean, you just can't throw a pick in that situation. Like you get, it's Mm -hmm. worth trying to run your kicker out there to, to win it. Um, or just don't put the ball in harm's way and try to run the ball. So um, who knows? I mean, you you could say like even still they're overachieving for this year, even with that that tough loss and losing to Wake the, the week previous. Um, kind of a tough stretch for them, right? Wake, NC State, and then us back to back to back. And then I think they get Notre Dame next, maybe if I'm not wrong. So kind of a brutal stretch for the Knolls, but no, um, they don't mm-hmm. play Notre Dame this year. Okay. Who's next on their schedule after us? Um, they've got a, a, a huge game against the bye week. Uh, the bye. I think, they'll, I think they won't lose that one. Might as well be Notre Dame. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, I guess just in terms of like Mike Norvell's rebuild, uh, he's definitely used the transfer portal. I think we mentioned a couple of their guys who, um, you know, have elevated that team somewhat. I think they've been able to reconstruct that offensive line, which was pretty piss poor at the end of the Jimbo era into Willie Taggart, now into the first few years of Norvell. So um, he's been working the portal. It's been working well for them. Sure would be cool if Clemson took a page from that notebook. But um, either way, I just yeah. I think Norvell is still waiting for that signature win. And I do not count LSU this year as a signature win. Clemson would be a great, you know, trophy to put on their mantle. I think there's a lot of reasons why I'm not expecting that to happen. But again, you know, these teams are talented. They're hungry. I'm sure they feel like they have a chip on their shoulder about the 2020 season. I hope that we do because we should. Um, mm-hmm. That still leaves bad blood, I, I hope, in, in the team's mouth, you know, coming down to Tallahassee for this one. So I don't know. It should be a fun matchup. I cannot believe the spread is only three and a half. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, Dabo doesn't forget. You know who he is, and he's a super happy-go-lucky guy, but he absolutely remembers all of those moments and he comes back for them i think and um you know yeah i like that interception i just looked it up it was on second and eight at the uh, north carolina state 20 second 22 so it's like not even third down or fourth down just like second and eight like yeah do a screen pass right like you yeah likely not going to throw a pick in that situation so it's literally something i would do in madden yeah <laughs> Oh man. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's FS. That's our FSU preview. Um, pretty good stuff. No, this week, guys, week seven coming up in college football, crazy good slate in this one, um, you know, across the top 25 and really outside the top 25 too, in terms of ACC matchups, um, we can go through like the ranked on ranked Penn state goes to Michigan. Both of them are undefeated. Ben continues to claim Michigan is overrated, even though they're number five behind Clemson. I think Penn State represents definitely the best team that they're going to face thus far. I, I watched part of that Penn State game against Purdue the first week of the season, and they looked pretty awful. So this is probably going to be a pretty it's it's a noon game Eastern. Probably going to be a pretty boring game at noon Eastern. Yeah, I'm taking in this one, Michigan minus seven, and I'm taking the under over under set at fifty two. Penn State is a fraud at number 10. Not very impressed with them. Um, their biggest win so far this season is, I don't know, 41 12 at Probably Auburn. Probably Purdue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that was an impressive win at Auburn. They beat Northwestern 17 to 7 at home. Yeah. Other big, it seems like every conference has like a big, you know, good on good matchup this weekend. Except for the ACC, I mean, I guess you got NC State, Syracuse. They're both ranked, but that's for like third place in the Atlantic, probably. So, um, but out west here, USC plays Utah at um, eight o'clock Eastern. It's at Utah. Um, I think this could be a spot where USC could lose their first game potentially. So that'll be one to kind of keep an eye on. It's going to be kind of opposite Clemson, so we probably won't be watching too much of that game. But keep an eye on the score. Maybe flip over at halftime. Whatever kind of like 30 minutes later so it should be off mm-hmm. um nc state syracuse mentioned that in the big 12 uh, i think the two teams that are the class of that conference this season play oklahoma state, oklahoma state at tcu probably take the over in this one ben what do you think it's 68 and a half it's a little rich at 68 and a half 
Man, that's a shootout. TCU minus four. I don't know. I had to look into both those teams more. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, those are high-scoring football teams. You may take the over on that one. I love taking the over in Big 12 games. It's just fun. Like, yeah. they're going to do it. They could get there by halftime. Like, I've seen it. Hey, Brent Venables <laughs> may be able to get a ranked win this year, despite how bad the season's gone for him, at least the last couple weeks. Um, playing at home against Kansas. Uh, Kansas' their quarterback's quarterback out. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. is likely out mm-hmm. for this game. True. Um, wow. Yeah, but- that, what a world where Oklahoma's premier win of the year is against ranked Kansas. <laughs> the line is still Oklahoma minus nine. Wow. I think that's probably most likely due to the quarterback being out. Right. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Tennessee. That's, that's Let's the talk game about to watch. It. Yeah, what do you guys crazy think? Game. That I mean, is the game to watch. I'm, it's controversial. I think I'm Bama until I see it. Is Bryce Young coming yeah. back for this game? That's true. Because he wasn't in the AM game, he didn't play. I think he's going to play. Yeah, I think he'll probably play. Um, we won't know until yeah. we time knowing Nick Saban. It's 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 so hard yeah. to tell. I mean, because Tennessee has had so many years where like they start promising and then they just completely fall apart. It's like again, how good are some of the teams they've played? You know, it, it's hard to say. But Bama has looked more vulnerable this year than they have in a long time. Just a lot of bad, dumb mistakes on the defense and penalties and just being undisciplined. Um, they don't have a stud receiver so, yet. Apparently, I mean that they're they don't have like an emerging guy, you know, to mm-hmm. to be there. So, um, yeah. But still, I just think like till Saban gets his teams up for big games. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how any of the over under stuff works, but I'm going to take the balls at home. That's a yeah. Neyland Stadium, man. That that might be a good mm-hmm. call there. Yeah, I mean, Bama's, Bama's favored by seven and a what half. Is, what is That's a pretty young, heavy, heavy line. What does Young look like coming back? Mm-hmm. Tennessee's defense is pretty whack, though. I mean, if you want to, I mean, Bama's ain't much to write home about from what we've seen in a couple games this year. Yeah, I just mean they I think can score. I think Bama can. Yeah, score. I mean, te- Texas is backup quarterback almost. You know, took him, took him all yeah. the way. Yeah, what would that do? What would that do? Let's talk about if Bama does lose to Tennessee. Let's say they lose by like seven. How far? How far do you think they'll fall? I think Tennessee replaces them at number three. <laughs> yeah, they'll pass uh, us. Bama would have a quality loss, and they'd move up to number one. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be at four. They'll push us out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they'd fall far. It's just kind of like it depends on what everybody else does. I mean, assuming. Well, between Michigan or Penn State, whichever team wins that game would jump Bama if Bama loses. Um, I don't, yeah, I know what you mean. I I'd can, be inclined probably if Penn State could win. I don't know. You could see Bama drop close to 10, depending on what else shakes out. Um, depending on what else shakes out. But I, if, if they just lose straight up and nothing else crazy happens, then I yeah. think that, yeah, they probably push us out unless we beat the crap out of FSU and it rankings would probably be like Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan. If USC beats a ranked Utah team on the road, 
I can see them surpassing Bama. I'd put Bama behind us too in that scenario. Like I, oh yeah, I think USC yeah. moves up. I think Bama moves to seven. USC moves to like six or five. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I mean, looking at all the top Penn State. They'll pass us again. I'm looking. I at was all surprised the they dropped two points. I'm looking at all the teams in like the top eleven. Like the the top eleven teams are undefeated right now. Um, if Tennessee beats Bama and everybody else wins, minus yeah, minus, there's going to be the Michigan Penn State <laughs> win. Um, I still think all those what nine teams that remain undefeated would be ahead of Bama. I can see them dropping to tenth. Because they they've all they've that. all got they've all got ranked games this weekend. I could see I could see that Ben if Bama just looks outclassed. Like if they look outclassed mm-hmm. and Tennessee just works them, I could definitely see going to 10. I think they would probably stay ahead of like Ole Miss. Maybe and, Ole Miss. Yeah. And like even I mean, I guess Oklahoma State would have a quality win at TCU on the road. So they'd probably jump ahead of Bama. Who does Oling Kiffin have this week? <clears throat> They have Auburn. <laughs> Auburn. Yeah. Maybe they don't jump them. Yeah. I don't think that's an impressive win. All right. So, Bam at nine. Bam at nine. Yeah. Eight or nine. <laughs> then when they win the next week against whoever they're playing, they'll be back up to four. Yeah. And it's like, what does that do for the SEC? So Tennessee beats Bama. They're right there. They're going to play mm-hmm. Georgia later this year. Bama's there. They get a weak SEC West schedule the rest of the way. They're going to mm-hmm. be in Atlanta playing the winner of that game. They might get a rematch chance. Obviously, if they lose that, they're out of the playoff. But well, and Bama's going to have an opportunity against a you know potentially ranked Mississippi State team the week following um, the yeah. Tennessee game, and then um, at Ole Miss, who's a top ten, you know, number nine right now, plus That's potential fair. SEC championship game. Although Tennessee runs the table there, then tennessee or, sorry they're yeah. in the wrong they're they're in the wrong division um so that would take what old miss to run the table so if alabama yeah wins that game i think they can certainly afford a loss to tennessee and still in the in the sec championship game win that they're back in the playoffs so right Bama can right. afford one loss for sure and they can afford here's the nightmare scenario tennessee beats bama georgia beats tennessee bama beats georgia in the sec title game they're all one loss to each other well, then it's just four SEC teams in the playoff. <clears throat> well, then I think it would be – it would still be – because Georgia would have the tiebreaker and they're in the east with Tennessee, so it would probably still be Bama-Georgia in the SEC championship game. Tennessee's well, out. But then if – yeah, but Tennessee could have one loss, non-divisional champ. That happened to Bama one year. Auburn beat them in the Iron Bowl. Bama made the playoff. Um, so, anyway – yeah, Ben. Uh, Tennessee has Alabama, UT Martin, Kentucky, and Georgia the next four weeks. That is not a fun schedule. Yeah. I mean, I could see – I mean, if Bama loses to Tennessee, they're probably high likelihood to lose at least one other game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, it'll be interesting. That's going to be a good one. That is on – 1230 West Coast, 330 Eastern on CBS. That's like their big marquee game of the week. We kind of touched on the other ones, but good distribution. You got that Big 12 against the SECs at the same time, along with the NC State Cuse. That CBS game usually drags on for like four hours. So, um, you know, you can jump around a little bit. But uh, yeah, Clemson, Florida State, 730 
East Coast time Saturday night at Doak. Cannot believe we're three and a half. Said that already. <laughs> Insane. They must have moved the de- the decimals in the wrong place. It should is it supposed to be minus thirty five? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think you're right. That's just so weird, right? Without an injury or something, knock on wood. Like, yeah, we're literally are getting more of our defense back. And right. No major offensive injuries. Like if if Cade was starting, I would expect. Like if DJ went down and Cade was yeah. starting, I'd be like, yeah, minus three and a half, totally. We're on the road, blah blah blah. I think they just the decimals wrong. They have an intern mm-hmm. running the. <laughs> yeah, running the casinos. All right, fellas. Well, covered a lot of ground in this one. Um, halfway point of the season, I think. Jarrett, next time we we chat, we should kind of dig into some of our season preview stuff grade ourselves do you like let's do it i think you called it the podcast midterm um yeah let's yep. do it want to uh talk about predictions talk about who we said would be impact players kind of rookies of the year like stuff like that so uh yeah see if to- our sorry yeah see if any of our big brain tinfoil hat stuff paid off i still haven't seen much of hunter johnson so i guess you know that might be a a miss but you know it, it's there's still six games left at least I'll go yeah. back and listen to the season preview. Yeah, there you that go. First time. <laughs> yeah. It's never too late. Um, well, thank you for everyone tuning in. Appreciate the listens. Uh, appreciate those that have left reviews. If you haven't done so, please get over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Um, follow us at, at our Facebook page, our Twitter account as well. We are Clemson Podcast all over the place. Uh, we're also recording video and posting these shows over at YouTube, youtube.com slash Clemson podcast. That's our channel. You can sign up for alerts to be notified when our podcasts go live, podcasts go live. Uh, give us some feedback on that too. Go ahead, comment on videos, whatever. We're, uh, we're figuring this stuff out. Shout out to Cody. He is our producer, editor, the guy that makes it happen from the video, um, putting that on the, on the air. So we appreciate Cody going to long lengths to get that stuff done for us. It's good. Give Cody your feedback. What could be better? You know, he, he likes self-improvement. That's what Cody's all about. So, uh, you know, give us your feedback. Yep. So we're gonna be on TV this week. We're on TV every week. No, I mean the podcast on the YouTube on the two. Oh yeah. YouTube.com slash Clemson podcast.com. Like forget it's.com. Click that bell. God. Indeed. Uh, one of these times, guys, we got to do a live, a live stream, a live show. People can yeah. ask us questions live, comment, whatever. I think that'd be really fun. Maybe we'll do that during the bye week. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, well, thanks again, everyone. And as always, go Tigers.